Let's come to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank You and praise You that You're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And Lord, we thank You and praise You that You are the mighty God. You're the King that still does great and wonderful things, miracles and healings and, and deliverances and, and everything, Lord. You save people's souls. You deliver them. You set the captive free. Father, we thank You for being here tonight. We thank You for being everywhere we go because You're in us, Your children. Help us, Lord, to be able to release the power of Your Spirit by faith as we go. Lord, we worship You and praise You and thank You. Lord, as we study Your Word tonight, we ask You to speak and teach us and be our teacher as we read different places in Your Word tonight. Use us for Your glory. Father, we want to praise You and thank You for the things that You've already done. The testimonies that we're going to have tonight, Lord, we want to thank You for each one of these people and what You've done for them. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory and honor for being our Lord, our God, our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, our provider, and how we love you and worship you. And may everything we do and every testimony given tonight bring glory and honor to your name, because you're the one that did them all. We praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the King. Well, we're going to start out tonight with a testimony. And since ladies first, <laughs> ladies first, always, we want to start out with a wonderful thing that Jesus just did for this wonderful lady right here. She's going to come up and tell you what her name is and how and where she's from yes. and what Jesus... Hold that real close to okay. your mouth. My name is Doris Cannon, and I'm from Hobbs, New Mexico. And shortly before Thurman was in Lubbock, was that three weeks ago, we moved some furniture in our, in our home. And I guess I strained my hand, and I haven't been able to use it. And my husband and I have prayed and prayed and prayed, and I've confessed any sins that I have done, and I've confessed for any sins that I'm known to be that I've done, and nothing was working. The, the devil was just fighting it every which way. And my husband said, we're going back to see Thurman. I walked in the door, and Thurman said, how are you doing? I said, my hand hurts. Would you pray for me? And we started praying, and instantly my hand is perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We serve an awesome Jesus, we don't do. we? we oh, do. praise the Lord. Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now then, her husband, he's going to come up and tell us what Jesus done for him. Man, he got a wonderful healing. And tell us, brother, exactly what your name is and all about it. And, of course, obviously you're from Hobbs, too. <laughs> uh, tell us what Jesus did. I'm Vernon Cannon, and... This has been my bride for almost 52 years. Amen. Uh, and uh, my first bride, too. Amen. Praise the Lord. First and only bride. Right. Amen. But uh, she didn't only get a husband. She got one that had dyslexia from birth. I guess this uh, possibly comes from my parents, uh, according to uh, uh, Thurman's, uh, that that's the way I get it especially as a baby. And uh, we we come as a couple to attend his healing school here on uh, September 10th of this year. And the first thing I asked Thurman was, did he think that the Lord would heal dyslexia, especially a person who's had it 77 years? And uh, he said, yes. And so, anyway, Thurman prayed for me, and uh, I guess I was a little disappointed because, you know, 
built him and didn't fall in on me. And, uh, but I kept, uh, every time I'd pray, which is, I tried to pray almost continuously because he said, stay in the Word 24-7. And uh, I, I thank the Lord for my healing. Well, you know, it's a long time from September 7th till this last Sunday is a week ago. We was in church, and we, we have a, a monitor up on two sides of the church that they put the songs up on. And uh, I think it was two and a half months, you know. That's right. Two and a half but months. You, you I, stood. St- I stood on the Word, and uh, uh, we went in church and sat down, and we usually read the bulletin, and the wife... Uh, my wife said, uh, did you notice uh, in the bulletin here one of our very, very good friends has been deployed to Iraq? He's a West Point graduate, just graduated in June. And, of course, uh, that's his duty. But anyway, I said, no, I can't read it because I couldn't I couldn't read all these years. And uh, so the, they started the, the music. And uh, I, I never could follow. My brain wouldn't tell my eyes what to see, or my eyes wouldn't tell my brain what I see. It just jumped back and forth. So I never would sing because I couldn't. And I thought, well, uh, for some reason, the, the screen got real clear. And I thought, well, somebody has donated a new screen to the church. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, well, you know, how nice of someone. But I realized that I could follow the words as to what they were singing. Well, I knew what had happened. The Lord had healed me. But I didn't tell her. So we went through the, the entire service, and I kept testing myself. Can I read? Uh, can I sing with everybody else? And so we usually go out to a restaurant to eat after church services. So I noticed as we drive down the street, I could see these uh, signs of the businesses real clear in the street signs. And we got to this restaurant, and they have uh, crystal on, uh, and, and tablecloths. And I thought, how pretty this crystal is. Well, I still didn't say anything to her, and, and on the way home, I asked her, I said, when we went to see Thurman, did we, uh, did I pray primarily for healing of my dyslexia? She said, well, really, you heal, uh, ask for healing from the top of your head to, to the bottom of your feet. And that's all I said to her. And we got to the house, I told her what had happened. And, uh, of course... Little of the servants went throughout the house. And, <laughs> and, and then, your wife was jumping up and down and praising God. That was the servant. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, she said, you think you can read? And I picked up the Bible, and I can read real good. Amen. Praise Thank the Lord. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. What an awesome Jesus we serve. Huh? Wow. Anybody else got one? My honey buddy's got one. Okay, praise the Lord. I'm going to be bouncing off the walls tonight, y'all. You <laughs> already are. 
<laughs> well, I had a wonderful day today. I got up at 10 this morning with the Charlie horse. Oh, that yeah, first, that's right. That was the first thing that happened. Oh, I got to tell you, I was in the bathroom getting ready, and all of a sudden I, I left her asleep. And all of a sudden I hear this screaming coming from the bedroom. I thought, what happened? I go running in there. She's got one leg stuck out under and it's all drawn up. She said, oh, God, help me, Lord, help me. So he started rebuking the devil and, and it quit. So that was, that Thank was you, Lord. That's a good way to start out today. Yes, Praise the Lord. Thank you. So then I, I was leaving to get ready because I was going to speak at Ambucks today to raise money for the Christ Haven for Children benefit we're doing. Well, as I'm getting ready, and I'm ready, and I walk out the door, and I kind of glance at myself in the mirror, and this thought goes in my head, you need more mascara. I went, oh, okay. So I go back over, and I get my mascara, and the first thing I do, I poke myself in the eye with it. Well, I didn't put any mascara on. I just went, bam, poke myself in the eye, made everything run, you know, and it was hurting. Well, then I got in the car, and I called him. I said, honey, I have poked myself in the eye, and it really hurts, and it's, and it's just... You know, I can't see out of it. I'm driving with one eye, and it's just throbbing and everything. And I didn't really even tell him. I thought I cut my cornea. That's really what I thought. But I wasn't going to say it, you know, because I was just, oh, it was hurting so bad. And here I am going to speak to some people, and it's all swelled up and closed up and dripping down and everything. So he prays for me about, oh, I, I guess I drive 20 more minutes. And I call him back, and I said, honey, keep praying. <laughs> I said, it's still hurting. Keep praying. He said, the Lord's, he said, I've already prayed. It's done. I said, that's right, Lord. It's done. It's done. He said, the Lord's going to do something awesome today. I said, yes, he's going to do something awesome. So I drove like five more minutes, got out of my car. My eye quit hurting. My eye didn't run anymore. And I went in there and raised $1,825. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody, this young lady here, praise the Lord. She's from Midland. She's driven down here, flew down here, and drove down here from Midland to be healed today. Praise the Lord. Oh, I've been in bed almost 10 years, and I called the ministry about three weeks ago, and um, all of a sudden, this vertigo that I had constantly, it was it wouldn't stop. It was just totally around and around and around, and I'd take medicine for, for years and years. You couldn't see right. You couldn't think right. You couldn't walk right or anything without this medicine every six hours too and it just instantly stopped about 95% of it and and I, I scared me because I thought oh my gosh am I going into shock or something you know and I was healed Jesus is healing you <laughs> I was healed and I'm believing for that other 5% because there's just a tiny bit left in the re- I'm not taking any of the medicine Amen. anymore Thank you, and it's Jesus. just healed Thank Amen. You. and I'm believing Jesus for the rest of my healing Amen. that the doctors say that I have it I know I don't have them I know I'm Amen. healed now Amen Praise them. You'll be just exactly what Cheryl did. Once we pray for you in faith, you stand, right? Right. Amen. You stand. When she called me back, she said, honey, you got to pray. I said, no, I prayed. It's done. Just believe God. (laughs) See, you got to get bold with faith, don't you? See, I mean, we're, we're not taking this away from God. We're not trying to persuade God to do something He's reluctant to do. We're kicking out the devil by force with his word by faith. Yeah. The devil says, oh, yeah, I'm not leaving. I said, oh, yeah. Whenever this Vernon, Vernon, when Vernon asked me uh, a couple, two, three months ago at the healing school, do you believe Jesus can heal dyslexia or after 77 years? 
Now, what do you think a man of faith is going to say? Well, I hope so. Maybe. No. I know he can. Don't you? Yeah, amen. He knows it now, praise God. He's got it. Oh, man. But I'm telling you, the Jesus we serve, if you can walk into this realm of faith, I mean, just think about how Paul got on us. Are you guys, are you all going to receive this by, how did you receive Jesus? By faith? Or by, by the works of the law? I mean, did God move among you by the Spirit and do great and mighty things because you kept the law? Or by faith? By faith. That's exa- and that's what we've got to get a hold of. By faith in the Word of God. When Jesus walks in, when I quoted the Word over this precious daughter of the King a while ago, I said, now it's done in Jesus' name. And all she automatically how does it, it quit hurting. It's gone. Hey. I'm telling you, when you start out in the evening at Bible study like that, how you bounce off the walls, right? <laughs> Praise God. Don't you love the Jesus that we serve? I'm going to tell you, I mean to tell you, there ain't nothing like Jesus. You know, I mean, just like this precious daughter, she said, when I said, you know, uh, they fired me from praying for people at work. They told me, said, you've got to stop praying for people in the name of Jesus. And I said, there ain't nobody can force me to stop praying for people in the name of Jesus. And her words was, you don't never stop praying. <laughs> don't you ever stop praying. Because when she gets instantly healed and her husband got healed of a lifelong deal. Dave, you understand the lifelong sickness, don't you? He got healed, but he wasn't quite that old. Dave was only about 40 when he got healed. But he had had a lifelong problem that was incurable by the doctors. But after he done what Jesus said, and we prayed for him, and he stood, but he had to stand for over a year and a half. He didn't have to stand two and a half months. You just had to stand two and a half. See, I don't understand that part of God. I don't understand. Maybe he just loves your wife more than he does you. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't know why he does it instantly for some and takes two months and takes a year and a half for another one. I don't know that. But all I know is he is a healer. He's a deliverer. And when we stand, just like I told Cheryl today, I mean, whenever she called me, and actually she stopped. I was getting ready to go, and she was getting ready to go, and she stopped and run over. She said, you got to pray for me. I just stuck a, a whatever that thing, mascara deal, in my eye. And she said, you got to pray for me. So I prayed. I mean, I stuck that thing in her, cut her eye, and everything. She already put the stuff on, you know, and then I, it bounded in the enemy, you know, to tell her you need a little more. And then as soon as she starts to put in her, she sticks herself right now. I didn't get no more on anyway. And what was on her all run off in the next few minutes. And so she's getting ready to go talk to all these men. See, so she wants to be pretty. She wants these men to give money to Christ Haven. And so she wants to look good. She don't want to go down crying. But I told her, I said, God's going to do something miraculous. I prayed it's done. See, now what I, I remember a man one time. I heard him tell a story. He was given the chore. Of course, he was a Pentecostal. He'd walked in the gifts of the Spirit. And he had seen God do great and awesome things. So he was given the chore to raise a few million. I forget how many it was. Three, four, five million dollars to build some kind of a building somewhere for the Pentecostal organization. Well, there were three or four thousand people there that day to hear him talk about raise how we were going to raise all this money. So he said, I get up on the platform and get my notes out. I have studied, I've prayed, I've done everything. I lay everything out. And all of a sudden, way back there in the back, some guy just steps out in the aisle and starts jumping around like a bunny rabbit. 
starts making some stupid thing. And I said, I watched this guy a minute, and I said, I said, God, God, stop him. I mean, he's going to upset the whole meeting. He said, Lord, stop that guy. And he gets wilder, and he comes down the aisle, and he's making like a bunny rabbit. He's jumping all over the place saying stupid things. And finally he said, God, kill him! Kill him, God! But he said God didn't kill him. And he said the guy kept jumping around the place, running in amongst the people, said, I totally lost it. Everybody, but nobody was paying attention to me. Everybody was watching this guy. And he said when the guy finally quit jumping around, people started coming up, putting money in the deal. And whenever the devil was over the day, we had more money than we asked for. Now, God don't make no sense, does He? I remember that story. That's why I told Cheryl. I said, if you go in there crying and you can't, if the water's running down here, you give that talk and let God do what He wants to do today. He'll do something great. I mean, God don't do things the way we want Him to. See, she wanted to do it a woman's way. She's going to go to a men's organization, her and her daughter, and she wants to look beautiful, and she wants to have everything in order so she could look beautiful and talk to these men and tell them how much these precious little kids need this money and these gifts. See? Yeah. See, that, that's where we come from, right? You want to look your best. You know, when you're going down for a job somewhere or something, when you walk in, you want to look your best. You know, I understand this principle of the human being. That's what, But God don't do things the way we do things. He's an awesome God. If He can take that guy in that Pentecostal movement and have that guy jump all over that platform like a bunny rabbit for an hour and then raise three million dollars and praise God. That's all i got to say. <laughs> yeah, that's all God. But see, when He says, if you'll just trust Me, I remember two men, two PhDs from the uh, Southern Baptist organization here. I won't call their name by, for sure. But they went up to a meeting in Toronto that was going on. And awesome things were happening up there. They heard about it, so they went up there. And here was this little 19 or 20-year-old long-haired hippie down at the front with his hands raised just worshiping God. And these two PhDs were sitting in the back. And one of them said to himself, didn't say out loud, he said, God... I can't believe I come to a place to watch a kid like that down front in church with his hands raised. And he said, I heard a voice say, that boy loves me. If you'd humble yourself, I might do something for you. He said, I fell on my knees and I went down to the front. It changed that Ph.D. forever. You know, we all need to hear that voice once in a while. We need to realize that God doesn't do things the way we do things. And if there's a little 20-year-old long-haired hippie down there with his hands raised working, God, God knows what that boy's doing. God knows that man's heart. And, you know, and it's not mine in your place to judge that kid. We don't know people's hearts. You don't know my heart. I don't know your heart. But God knows your heart. And He knows mine. And thank God He knows mine because I'm, I'm grateful for these wonderful things that He's allowed me to see. The impact that we have had when we've learned to pray in faith. I mean, just like this precious lady tonight. She got healed. I mean, my whole trip down here tonight was worth it just for her. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, to see, to lay a hand on somebody and see the King of the universe instantly healed her while I'm holding her hand. That just, that just rocks my world. 
to think that Jesus uh, loves me enough to do that for her when I have the privilege to lay my hand on her and touch her. I'm going to tell you, I can get excited about Jesus. Can't you? See, He knows your heart. He knows her heart. He knew where my faith level was. He knew where their faith level was. He knew that they had driven a long way to come here to be healed. That's just like last, uh, uh, when was it, uh, August or September? I don't remember which month it was. Whenever that precious little 14 or 15-year-old girl with her daddy came from Minnesota. And you know that story. And she come up after the healing school and said, Pastor, I believe with all my heart, if you will agree with me in prayer, according to Matthew 18, 19, the King of the universe, my Jesus and your Jesus, will heal my brother, which is laying home, comatose as a vegetable. Has been since March. He was injured in a uh, skiing accident, and I believe, if you'll pray with me, the King will heal my brother. And two months later, the brother and the daddy came to a healing school, and he could talk, and he stood right there where Deborah's at right now. He stood right there and gave his testimony. Do we serve an awesome Jesus? What is He able to do? Anything we can believe Him for. Just think, the little woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, which had been to many a doctor, but grew worse and broke. She gave them all of her money, and nobody could help her. They tried, but they couldn't help her. But they took her money, but they couldn't help her. When she heard about the king, she said, I know. I know. She thought within herself, I know. If I can touch just the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. See, that's the kind of faith the king's looking for. And today, he uses you and me as him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. When we step into that world of faith, and I touched her a while ago, it was the king that healed her, but it was the king in me that healed her. There were kings in her. He's in me. And we have to turn Him on by faith in His Word. No doubt. And when you pray, and pray in faith, the King knows exactly where your faith was. I remember one time I was up in the north. We were up there. And they brought a cerebral palsy boy in. We spoke in two churches. The first church we spoke in, then after that was over, they took us immediately to another church and they brought a cerebral palsy boy in and they asked me to pray for him. And I walked up and said, bringing the boy in, I told the pastor. I said, sir, I don't mind telling you. I hate to, t- I'll pray for the boy. But I'm going to tell you, at this point, I don't believe I have faith enough to get that boy healed. I'm, I hate to say that, but I said, I just don't believe I have that kind of faith yet. And it was a man heard me, and he walked up, and he looked me, walked and looked me right. And I'd never seen this man before in my life. He said, "I know you're a true man of God." I said, "How do you know that?" He said, "When you, when they brought that boy, and the king spoke to me and said, my son Thurman Scrivener does not have the faith to pray for that boy to get him healed." He said, "When you made that statement, I knew that you were in agreement." with God because God just spoke to me and told me you don't have that kind of faith. But you know what? I'm going to have. I'm going to have it. I didn't have the faith a few years ago to pray for a hand. But I have that kind of faith now. I didn't have the faith a few years ago to pray for dyslexia. But I have it now. 
I didn't have the faith a few years ago to pray for carpal tunnel, but I've seen that hundreds of times. You know? Oh, and backs. Oh, glory to God. I know because I fought that battle with my own back. Since I won that battle. I mean, I mean, I had back trouble so many years of my life. And now then, praise the King. I don't have no back trouble. I can do anything I want to do. I can sit anyway. I thought about backs yesterday. You would never believe where I was Monday morning. Monday morning, I had a meeting at, at actually it started at 11, but I thought it finally turned out to be 1 o'clock when the people called and reached the schedule. I got up early Monday morning and drove to Fort Worth to get a part for an airplane, a vacuum pump, or a dryer pump. I had one fail on the Seneca. So I went down there and got that pump, and I come back, and I put the pump on the airplane, which is behind an engine, and then I'm looking for a filter. At that time, I didn't know where the filters were. I thought they were under the dash. So I crawled into that airplane on my back, upside down with the curve of my back, over the seat, with both feet over the top of the back, with my head down under the dash, curved up like this, looking under there with a flashlight, trying to find those filters. And I'm looking under there, and I'm laying under I thought, Lord, I'm sure glad I'm not 30 pounds heavier. I really have trouble getting under this dash. I know 30-year-old men can't contort their body into those kind of shapes. You know it? <laughs> but what can we do as children of God? If you can believe, nothing is impossible. Now, those are the words out of the mouth of our King. If you have faith and doubt not, nothing shall be impossible with you. So, I believe I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm getting there more and more every day. You know, my faith is growing and increasing because my knowledge of the Word is growing and increasing. You know, when I drive down the road, I mean, I've got to see the, the Word of God. I have it in my player. I listen to the Bible every time I'm in. I bet you I have listened to the book of Mark in the last three weeks. I bet I've listened to it 20 times, maybe 30. I just got that CD in there, the book of Mark, and I just listen to it from verse 1 right on through, over and over and over and over. Faith comes by hearing the Word. I want to hear the Word. I want the Word in me. Don't you, Keith? Because the Word, it produces great results. We got to see it tonight right here, didn't we? We got to see God show up for this precious daughter right here. And this precious daughter here. When she called our ministry a few weeks ago, you've been in bed ten years, young lady? Ten years you've been in bed. Thank you. Praise the King. This thing. Ten. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. The King come to set the captive free. Didn't He say that? He came to set the captive free. So when you find somebody, and she called the minister center. I don't even know who prayed for you. Do you know who it was? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it was Kathy. Maybe it was I don't know. Who, no, no telling who it was. Or she might have brought me the note, and I might have prayed for her too. You know, God hears our prayers. I pray for lots of people that I can't get on the phone. 
I try to call them. Sometimes I'll mark down. I call one, number one, two, three, four. And I, after I call one time and you can't get them, I pray for them anyway. I stop right there and they tell me when they know what the problem is. I pray because I know the God we serve, He don't have to have her present. He doesn't have to have you present. You can just pray the prayer of faith and see God do awesome miracles. Awesome things. All you got to do is believe. Now, the secret is making sure you got your sins repented of. Now, see, you can't lie to God. He knows your heart. He knows if you've repented of every sin, just like that woman right here that night that I touched, and I, in the name of Jesus, when I said, do you have all your sins repented of? And she said, I think so. I said, ma'am, thinking so, don't get it. You've got to know so. And so then she said, well, okay then, I know so. Well, the way she said it, I said, I said, ma'am, you can tell me anything, but God knows your heart. He does. And so I reached up to touch her, and the minute I laid my hands on her, he knocked me off of her. I mean, like I'd been shocked with 440, and when I went flying backwards, that's the only time that's ever happened to me in my life. When I touched that woman standing right here, bam! I mean, I come back just like that. And as I'm going backwards, he said, unforgiveness. I said, whoa, ma'am, you got unforgiveness sort. Somebody, you know who it is? He said, yes! I said, well, who is it? She said, my husband. And he was standing right beside her. I said, well, you got to forgive him. She said, no, I'm never going to forgive him for what he did to me. I said, ma'am, let me make it a little easier for you. She said, what do you mean? I said, Jesus said in His Word, if you don't forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart, neither will He forgive you your sins. I said, you ever heard that? Well, yes. I said, so do you think for a second that if Jesus doesn't forgive you, that you can go to heaven? Well, she said, well, I'm washed in the blood. I said, okay, so you're washed in the blood and one day you die and you step up to the gates and He says, who are you? And he said, well, I'm so-and-so. Oh, you're that woman that wouldn't forgive her husband. Well, yes, Lord, I did. But he did this to me. Did you not read in my word? I said, if you do not forgive from your heart, neither will I forgive you. Well, yes, Lord, I read that. He said, because I didn't forgive you, because you didn't forgive him. Now then, I cannot let you in heaven because you're in sin. You're not forgiven. So, into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I said, is it worth spending eternity in hell for what He done to you? She says, no. I said, okay. Then I suggest you forgive Him. You know, when somebody says, I don't believe that. Well, let me tell you what happened the next second. When she said, I forgive you, honey. She turned to him and said, I forgive you. He said, I forgive you too. And the minute they did that, the Lord says, tell my daughter. I heard this just as clear as I'm hearing it right now. He said, tell my daughter. Because she's done what I asked her to do. I've already healed her. You don't even have to pray for her. I've taken away her pain. I said, ma'am, the Lord just told me that He already healed you. Your pain's gone. She took about three deep breaths and she fell on her husband's chest crying. She said, he's right. There's no pain. He took that away just as easy as he did your hand. Is he awesome? Wonderful Jesus. Now, did He want her to have that heart problem? No, but He told her a long time ago, don't you hold a grudge against nobody. Because she had held a grudge against her husband. It had opened the door to a demonic spirit and the devil had sent a demon to come in and he was destroying her heart. Now then, 
What if she hadn't come to church and found the truth? What if she had died in that sin? She would have went to hell forever because of a grudge she had against her husband. You think there's anything anybody could do to you and me that would be worth spending eternity in hell for? If you think it would, just go home this evening and turn on your cook stove, whether it be electric or gas, and then reach over and put you a time clock up there and set it on five seconds. Push the button, and as soon as it starts running down for five seconds, reach over and put your finger in that fire. And when the clock goes off in five seconds, take your finger out and see if you think it's worth it. Somebody says, there ain't no way I would do that. Well, Neil, that's going to be minor compared to what you're going to suffer in hell. Minor. See, we don't believe hell is real. We don't believe it when he says the worm dies not. The flames never die. You're in eternal torment and pain and suffering, not for a day, not for a week, not for a month but forever. There ain't nothing nobody can do to me worth going there. You either, right, Dina? Ain't no way. Ain't, ain't, forget it. I don't care what you've done to me. It ain't worth it. I'm going to love you. I don't care what. I mean, I know the king knew how hard-headed we were going to be. He said, I command you. He didn't say, if you've been a good boy for me to love you. <laughs> Did he? No, he did He said, I command you to love one another. <laughs> now then, how many people lie to me on a regular basis and say, well, I am loving everybody. I do have all my sins repented of. Hey, there's something wrong. Something wrong. You need to... Remember, I think, that's just like Dave and I, when we started having all of our talks, when he started getting stepping into his, the healing. Dave's problem was the same problem mine was. I didn't know what sin was. And he didn't know what sin was. We thought these little things, they were really not bad sins. But they are. They're the sins that keep you from getting healed. I mean, little things that we do. Paul calls them our little besetting sins. Those little tiny things, you know, that... Well, just like Deborah, I'll tell you. Deborah told me a story just a while ago. You don't mind if I tell that, do you, Deborah? She said about... uh, How many years ago? Eight or nine years ago. Obviously, she had a boyfriend or something. And one morning she ran out of his house or something, or her house or wherever it was, his house, I guess, and he had some bunch of quarters there. And she thought, well, I'll, I need some money today. So she reached over and grabbed a handful, three or four dollars worth of quarters. Six months ago, God spoke to her and told her that when she got that handful of quarters years ago, she stole them from her boyfriend and she owed them back to him with interest. He called her a thief. The Lord called her a thief. She come under conviction. Can you imagine that? God remembered eight years ago when Deborah reached over and got that handful of quarters. And I'm going to tell you what, He knew exactly how many you got. Exactly. And so she had to repent and go to Him and offer the money back to Him with interest. He took the money. But He wouldn't take the interest. What a guy. What a guy. Took the money. You know, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now, do you think God keeps good records, Elder? Ooh, we know He does. 
And the thing that Deborah and I was talking about, and this is what just blows our mind beyond the ability to comprehend these things. She said, to think that how he can keep such precise books just on me. But she said, I'm just one person. And said, there's billions of people on the earth. Billions. Yeah, over six billion people today. And he's got that same kind of record on every one of us. He knows every one of us intimately, doesn't he, Keith? He knows everything you and me think in the course of the day, doesn't he? Sometimes I wish he didn't, don't you? Amen. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I wish he didn't keep such good records. <laughs> Isn't that right, Ty? We all do things we don't want him to know about, right? Woo! I'm trying to get rid of all of them, though. Um, oh, but by the, because of the blood, when we repent, he erases those. And that's my honey bunny's favorite verse, Psalms 103, verse 12. And he puts my sins as far as the east is from the west and never remember them again. When you repent of your sins, you have been made pure and clean again. And you stand before the throne of grace in your white gown without a spot of dirt on it. And then when you come and ask him for something, he says, sure, my daughter, I'll do it for you. All you need is to do something in faith. Absolutely. And he does it for you. Ooh, what a Jesus we serve. And this precious little lady over here from Midland. Ten years had laid sick and afflicted, called the minister center, and all we did was pray the prayer of faith, and because Jesus put the living Savior ministries together, He don't care who prays, as long as one of us at the ministry. It's His ministry, not ours. It's Jesus. Kathy can pray. I can pray. Ty can pray. Our wives can pray. It don't make no Rosemary can pray. It makes no difference. That's just like one day when one of the little girls that was there, uh, a man called, and he said, i got to have Thurman. He said, my mother, I think it was his mother-in-law, something had a stroke. He said, I've got to have thermos. He said, sir, I'm sorry. He's not available. He's completely out. I don't, he said, but I've got to get in touch with him. I've got to have somebody pray for me in faith right now. My mother-in-law just had a stroke. And said, well, sir, I'm sorry. It's impossible to get in touch with him. He's out. He said, well, you pray for me then. She said, me? He said, well, after all, God did say if two of us on earth agreed, didn't He? And she said, well, yes, He did. He said, well, then you pray for my mother-in-law. And she did. And guess what God did? He instantly healed His mother-in-law. I mean, when He called back and said she was instantly healed, that little gal, you talk about somebody bouncing off the wall. She had never seen God do nothing like that. I told her, I said, you know why God does that for us? It's because of the living Savior ministry. He put it together. He's the head of it. And we all know He's the head of this ministry. And He knows we're about His business at this ministry. He knows our hearts. He knows us. We're not out there doing something stupid. I had a woman work for me here a while back. She said, you know, I worked for two or three ministries in my life. And this is the first ministry I've ever walked worked for that didn't use profanity in the place. I said, are you serious? She said, yes. You would be amazed at some of the things I hear these people saying in these ministries I work for. I said, did any miracles or healings happen? Then? Oh, no. She said, I never saw an answer to prayer in none of them. I said, maybe that's why God answers our prayer. Because we don't live in those kind of sins here. We have a tendency to watch our mouth. And we... In fact, I asked God years ago to purge my heart with a wire brush. I said, Lord, that wire brush is the Holy Ghost. 
I want a clean, pure heart. That should be every one of our desires, right? Lord, if it takes... And some of these old guys, these old crusty guys like me and you, Keith. God bless you, me. You, you know what I mean, don't you? We've worked out there with the contractors. I've been there. You've been there. And we can easily get crud inside of our heart, can't we? It ain't hard to do working with the kind of men we've had to work with. I mean, the devil can put it in there, can't he? So for God to clean up that heart and make my, he had to take a Holy Ghost with a big wire brush and get in there and brush it inside of mine. But he can clean it out, can't he? Yes, he can. And when he cleans it out, he makes it perfect. He did yours too, didn't he? You will say something? Okay, Fraser, come up here, girl. Come up here where we can see you. Okay, Sunday uh, before I came to church, one of the other uh, ladies that comes here, her father had been taken from the nursing home. He had had some kind of seizure, and they come in and found him unconscious. He's the one in the wheelchair that we pray for, the, you know, yeah, yeah. Catherine's dad. And so Ty and I prayed, and Sharon and I prayed. And so later on after church, I went over to the hospital because he's still in the emergency room. And he was just as bright and alert. And the doctors come in and say, well, we just can't find anything wrong with him. So they released him and sent him home. Praise the King. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I mean, when we pray, we don't really know what God's going to do with those prayers, do we, Ty? But we pray as big and as wild and as crazy as we can because we know he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, isn't he? So we never cut him short. Lord, we don't never ask if it's your will. We don't never ask if it's your will to do something. We just repent for everybody's sins. And we, we believe, we believe at this ministry when Jesus said in John 20 that whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. We believe that when we confess somebody's sins because it's God in us, if the Word of God says the Savior, Jesus, was able to forgive sins on the earth. He said that. That same Jesus is alive and well in each one of us that are believers. So when we die to self and let Him live in us, then that same Savior can forgive sins through you and me. That's almost more than the average Christian can grasp. took me a long time to believe that Scripture. But if Jesus said it, I believe it. It's Him that's doing it. But it's Him that's doing everything. But until you and me move and do something in faith, nothing happens. But when we, and I'm going to say, as when we, especially the leaders, especially Ty and me, God has really put something on the, us too, as long as we walk holy and obedient to His Word, and walk in obedience and walk in that God kind of love, then that opens the door to the entire ministry and everybody that works with us in the ministry. When we pray, you get your prayers answered. Isn't that amazing? We've had people that got their prayers answered in a powerful way and then left the ministry and went somewhere else and their prayers don't get answered. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing, isn't it? Let me tell you, anybody can get their prayers answered if you're willing to pay the price. In fact, let's go back here right now 
Let's, let's do a little recap on something. Let me show you something we talked about Sunday, but I want to do just a little recap on Psalms 15. I want you to think about this. Just make yourself comfortable. Kick back, put your feet up, and get comfortable. We're going to be here a few minutes. This is all about Jesus. This is not, this is not a, 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 some kind of a... Uh, whatever you want to call it, time frame where we come in and sit down and we started exactly on the minute and in 30 minutes it's over, you're dismissed, you can go home. we here by the power of the Holy Ghost and whatever He wants to do, we never cut God short. If He wants only 30 minutes and we go home, great. But if He wants to work, somebody asked me the other day, what's the latest you've ever been here on Sunday night? I said 2 a.m. in the morning, Monday morning. Carol said, yeah, I don't remember. I was here too. <laughs> sure. I mean, we're here meeting the needs of people. Oh, they were? Praise the Lord. Well, the thing about it is, we, we are never, in fact, that's just like the other day when we were in Lubbock. We were in Lubbock, when we got ready to start praying for people, the, the people that in the church started bringing people up in lines and they had catchers, they thought, when we were going to go down the line like everybody else does and just touch them and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And they fall under the power of the Spirit. But that's not the way God put this ministry together. We don't do that. I have never seen God knock people out when I pray for them. So far. He just don't do that with me. But we sit down or we stand up. We stand up usually for the first hour or two or three or four. And then after that, we will sit down and we will find the people's sins. We will get the people to confess their sin, repent of their sins, and then we pray the prayer of faith for them. And the night we were in love, we had four teams of people praying, and it still took us about four hours to pray for everybody there. We wasn't going. You know, I mean, the pastor got up and said, you know, uh, we we're going to teach a little while this afternoon, and Thurman has got an airplane to catch. I got up and said, you know, forget that. We don't have an airplane to catch. We are the airplane. You know, we are. We have the airplane. I am the pilot. We're going to leave when we get ready. We don't have to catch an airplane. So it was 10.30 Saturday night when we finally got out there and got that thing cranked up. And an hour and a half later, we're in terror sitting on the ground. Praise the King. You know, that way we can go where we want to. And then we let Ty and Cheryl and Eldon and Nancy out over there. And we take off and fly around the side of Dallas and get back over here and land at Northwest. And we go home and have some popcorn and get in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. Praise the King. That's living for Jesus. You know it? Don't you love it? I love serving Jesus. There ain't nothing no more fun. But here's where He says we got to live if you want to live where we live. He's the one who made the rules. I didn't make the rules, but I have to keep these rules. Listen to these rules. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Well, it all depends. Do you want to worship in His sanctuary? I do. I want to worship in His sanctuary. He asked the question, who? Somebody said, well, I'd like to. Well, that ain't never going to get you there. You've got to have a burning desire in your heart to worship in the Lord's sanctuary. And then He says, who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Who? Well, I want to, don't you? He gives you the answer, who can. The next verse, he says, those who lead only a little bit of sin in your life. Is that not what he said, Rosemary? Not your Bible. I must be reading the wrong one, huh? 
Oh, here says he, I've got to be blameless? I've got to walk blameless? I mean, Rosemary, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. <laughs> see, the preacher's arguing with you now. See, so I, I'm arguing with the Word, right? Those who lead a blameless life. Now, these are the people that can worship in the sanctuary. These are the ones that will go into His holy hill. In other words, these are the ones that's going to get their prayers answered. This is what's required. You know, you can't live in sin. Just a little bitty bit of sin ought to be okay. I mean, that doesn't fit blameless, does it? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right part of the time. Oh, oh that's not what he said. You've got to do righteousness. Ooh, doing righteousness. Dave taught me a great concept when he came back from ORU. He said the professors up there taught him what righteousness means in the Old Testament. You know what the word righteousness means? Doing deeds of loving kindness. That's righteousness. Doing deeds of loving kindness. Doing deeds of loving kindness. Now, that's righteousness. Now, Keith, since me and you have both been in the contracting world, sometimes it's hard to do deeds of righteousness to all them guys out there, right? Some of them are hard to live with, aren't they? It's tough. They're tough. <laughs> but that will test me and you every day, won't it? Amen. And the king says, if you want to live in my holy hill and you want to worship my sanctuary, you will lead a blameless life and you will live in righteousness. The devil said, I'm going to show you, Keith, that's not possible. We've got, we got news for him. We're going to do it, aren't we? Yes, sir, we are. Yes, we are. We're going to do it. And those that speak the truth from a sincere heart. You've got to speak the truth from a sincere heart. This is getting tougher, isn't it, Rosemary? It's always tough. It's always tough. I'm going to tell you, I was with Rosemary one night when I saw a woman say some of the most awful things to her. I mean, I, it really took something. She just stood there and never said a word. I'm telling you, it took a woman of faith and a woman of God to stand there and let somebody say those dirty words to you and never say a thing back. But that's what God requires of you if you want to dwell in His sanctuary. And you do, don't you? You do. She paid the price that night. She could have said something nasty back to that person, but she never said a word. I thought, what a woman. What a woman. Somebody standing here, pro- I mean, saying the nastiest things you can imagine. And she never said, never retaliated, never opened her mouth. Just stood there. I thought, that's exactly what Jesus told us to do. Let no deceit be in your mouth. Let no guile be in your Even when they threaten you that they're going to kill you. You don't say a word back. You just turn them over to Him who judges righteously and say, I love you. It takes a real person to do that, doesn't it? But she wants to dwell in His sanctuary and that's what it takes so far. Those who refuse to slander others. Refuse to slander others. You know how easy it is to slander somebody? But you have to learn how to... Got to love them. That's right. 
You have to learn to watch your tongue, don't you? Oh, bite it. Oh! Maybe that's why I got those big old things on the end of my tongue because I had to bite it so hard so many times. Anybody ever had that problem besides me? I think we all do, don't we? Yes, we do. But those who refuse to slander others or harm their neighbor or speak evil of their friends. You know, this would get tougher. I don't know about you. I want to walk and, and worship in that sanctuary, don't you, Oscar? I want, to, I want to dwell in that sanctuary. I want to get on that holy hill with the king, don't you? So it's going to take something on mine and your part to do that, isn't it, brother? You're going to take a lot of work. And, and, and boy, especially where he lives. I can only now see him pull some guy over to about two-thirds drunk as a police officer. And a guy gets out and cusses him. What do you mean, you stupid idiot police stopping me on the road? I didn't do nothing wrong. I bet you've had a few of them say that to you, haven't you, Oscar? Quite a few. <laughs> oh, goodness. You see, it's really tough when you live in the world you live in. I mean, really tough as a police officer. You can only imagine. No, I can't even imagine where he lives. I, I don't even want to go there. I mean, it's bad enough where I live, but I can't imagine living in the world you live in. <laughs> but it really will put you to the test day by day. But you want to live. You want to live in this place, don't you? You want to. Yes, we want to. And those who refuse to speak evil of their friends, those who despise persistent sinners. Now, hey, wait. That's a different thing there. If you find somebody that is a consistent sinner, you need to tell them where they missed the mark. And then after you talk to them and tell them and they say they're a Christian and they refuse to straighten their act up, what are you supposed to do? You are to despise that sinner. And do you know, Paul told us over in the New Testament, you're not even to invite them to your home for a dinner. You are not to sit down and have a meal with a brother that will not come back in the line with the Word of God. You're supposed to go with them and you talk to them. And you need to take somebody else with you and you talk to them. And if they say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to change. And you say, I'm sorry. When's the last time you saw somebody get thrown out of church? You don't see it very often, do we? You know, we don't do what the Word says. You know, those of us that are in the church are supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be walking in obedience to the Word. If we get somebody that says they're a Christian and we know they're living in sin, we're supposed to confront those people. We're supposed to sit down with them and talk with them and do what we can, pray for them, try our best to convince them with the Word that they're wrong and they've got a life they've got to straighten up. Now, if they start straightening up and getting better, we continue to work with them. But if they just turn their back and just say, no, I'm not going to change. I'm going to do it my way. You know, I'm going to go out and sin. I mean, God understands. He knows. If I want to go out and lie, steal, or cheat a little here or there, God knows. I mean, I'm washed in the blood. And when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Once saved, always saved. Boy, how many times have I heard that? i got a feeling there's going to be a whole lot of people in hell that's going to be saying, they lied to me. Once saved, always saved. I don't believe that. 
I don't believe that at all. In other words, if you get saved and you get an unforgiveness towards someone, you die and go to hell. You was not always saved. Pastor Daniel confirmed that he was a pastor of a church in Africa, and that man got in unforgiveness toward his wife, and he got killed that day in a car, and he went to hell, and he was there nearly three days. Now, Ty and his friends have been to Africa at least three times, and your friend goes over there every time and talks to him, doesn't he? Every time he goes over and talks to that man that was raised from the dead. He's had personal contact with Pastor Daniel. We know this is a true story. He's been there. Pastor Daniel tells you today, don't get in unforgiveness toward no one. It's not worth it. I spent three days in hell because of my unforgiveness. And if it hadn't have been for my wife refusing to let them bury me and stand by faith and God raised me from the dead, I would have spent eternity in hell although I was a preacher of the gospel. A preacher. But I got into unforgiveness and I got killed in a car wreck. And I spent nearly three days in hell. And he said the angel took him and showed him heaven. So this is where you were going to go before you got in unforgiveness with your wife. But now that you got in the unforgiveness, you've allowed the enemy to kill you. And now then, Satan is going to take you to hell. And he did. And he took Pastor Daniel to hell. But now then, Pastor Daniel today is still alive and well. He is alive and well. In fact, Kenneth Copeland's ministries even went and got Reinhardt Monkey, and they video, the videos that was made because it was in a church where Reinhardt was speaking. He didn't even know Daniel was down the basement. And so when he started praying for the sick, God raised him from the dead. Pastor uh, uh, Monkey, Reinhardt Monkey, said, I got all kinds of recognition in every kind of newspaper and every kind of magazine all over Africa, and I didn't even know that it was going on. Everybody says, Reinhard Bunky raises a man from the dead. He said, I didn't even know he was down there. Don't give me no credit. He said, it was totally God. He raised that man from the dead. Now then, I got tickled at the men that was there on the video that I watched. Whenever he started breathing, you know, when they brought him down, he'd only been dead three days, you know, rigor mortis, you know, he was awful. Hard as a rock. And whenever... Reinhardt did start praying for the sick upstairs. His stomach started moving in and out. They got this on video. Somebody saw it. They run up and got a camera and brought a couple of them down there and started recording this as he's being raised from the dead. And these men that were down there with him, they started rubbing him. They said, we thought we had to help God to soften up his skin. But that sounds just like us. I've got to give God to them. God couldn't possibly do this all by himself. He's got to have me help him a little. Give me a break. You know, God don't need no help for nothing, does He? No. I mean, He don't need no help. Oh, we, we don't know who God is. That's our problem. We don't believe He is who He says He is. He is the King of the universe. You can't get no bigger than that. You know that? And to think He's going to allow you and me to worship in His holy sanctuary. On his holy hill, but only a select few. And who's he going to be up to? You. Not him. You're going to be the one that's going to determine who's going to worship in his holy hill. 
He says those that are blameless. Those that all these things we're talking about. It's worth it to dwell in that place with the king. Those who despise persistent sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord. Honor the faithful followers. If people are faithful followers of Jesus, you need to honor them. You need to tell them. You need to do things to lift them up. I mean, whenever they're being beat down by the world, you need to walk up to a brother on the job site. He's a man of God. And the devil's coming against him every way he can. You need to walk up and pat him on the back and say, that a boy, keep, keep up the good work, son. Jesus loves you. I don't care what they say about you. Keep doing a good job for Jesus. We need that, right? Of course, yeah. You, of course you pray for your family, everything. But did you know one of the things that is so awful, even in your families, many people, you can tell them about these kind of miracles and they still, they think there's something wrong with you. They think there's something wrong with you. I mean, you can take a brother that's 77, is that what you say? You're 77 years old. You can take a brother that's 77 years old, had this problem all of his life, and tell certain people about it, and they'll... That's all right. You're getting a little senile now, brother. You know, we know. Okay, we understand. Y'all know where I'm coming from? You know, if you're old, they say you're getting senile. If you get a, and if you're young, they say you're kind of crazy or you're flipped out. You saw God do a miracle? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God don't do miracles no more. Or somebody will say, well, somebody that's totally living in sin. I mean totally living in sin. Don't go to church. Don't believe God. Nothing. And they come down with an arm problem. This woman here and her husband goes to church. Right? Every time the door's open. Why could she not get her arm healed? Why? Why did he live 77 years with dyslexia? Because they hadn't paid the price. You know that? They had not paid the price. Why did I walk 60 years or 50 years of my life and never see God do a miracle? Or at least 40. I went to church every time the doors opened, brother. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a deacon. I mean, I had a clean mouth. I love my wife and children. I didn't run around. I didn't smoke, drink, or cuss. But I never saw God do a miracle. Never saw a healing. Was I in church? Every time the door was open. What was wrong? I didn't have no faith. I didn't know what it was. I had a lady call me today. I hadn't heard from her in years. She used to go to my healing schools. She had a question to ask me when she called. I said, well, praise God, sister. I hadn't, hadn't heard from you in years. I said, well, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing great, but i got a question. And I said, okay. She asked me the question. And she said, how are you doing? I said, man, I am absolutely magnificently awesome, but I'm rapidly improving. She said, well, what kind of good things has God done in your life since I've seen you? She hadn't seen me in about four or five years. I said, man, he's sending me out more places. I said, he's given me three airplanes. She said, what? I said, yeah, they're all paid for. I never had to pay a dime for none of them. He paid for every one of them up front. She said, Thurman Scrivener. She said, I have met, I have been in church all my life. 
I have met a lot of men in church, but she said, I have never, never in my life ever met a man that ever even comes close to being as crazy for Jesus as you are. I said, I'm glad that I'm that crazy guy that loves Jesus. Aren't we, Ty? Amen. I love being crazy for Jesus when I can touch a woman like this and get her healed. Don't you love praying for Jesus? Don't you love serving Jesus? Let me tell you, that's just like Ernest and his wife. Ernest is a man of God. He believes in Jesus. He prayed for his granddaughter over and over for that breast cancer. But they brought her to me. I got her sins repented, and I prayed the prayer of faith, and God healed that girl almost instantly of breast cancer. The next Sunday, Esther comes up and said, Dermot, he said, I don't, we've prayed for her and prayed for her. Nothing ever happened. When you prayed for her, she got healed. She said, I have a tumor in my stomach for 15 years. I found her sin, prayed for her. The next Sunday to come to church, she didn't have that. Ernest came up to me and he said, I am a man of God. I don't know what you do different than I do. But he said, when you pray, it happens. He said, I'm going to get where you are. I said, Ernest, I can tell you how to get there. I'm not even hiding a secret. I said, you've got to dwell with God. You've got to spend time with the King. You've got to get in His Word. You've got to do what He says. You've got to wake up in the morning loving Him. You've got to go to bed at night loving Him. You've got to be in the day. You've got to praise Him. You've got to worship Him. You've got to tell Him how much you love Him and thank Him all the time. Be in prayer all the time. Praising and loving and worshiping the King. I don't care what you're doing. Read His Word. Listen to His Word. Fill your heart with His Word. Turn off the radio. Turn off the television. Turn off the magazine. Get into the Word. Be in Jesus. I said, then when you pray, He'll hear your prayer. And He'll answer. Isn't it wonderful to have a Jesus that answers prayer? Don't we love it, Rosemary? We love it. We love to serve a King that answers prayer. But there's some requirements to getting to do it, isn't there? Some serious requirements. And those who keep their promises even when it hurts. You make God a promise, you keep it. You make a person a promise, you keep it. Don't be like the guy that says, oh, he, he meets this beautiful woman. Oh, honey, I love you. Oh, calls her on the phone. You know, they're courting. I love you so much. I would swim the deep rivers for you. I'd climb the highest mountains for you. She said, well, great. If you love me that much, won't you come over tonight and take me to dinner? She said, if it don't rain, I'll be over. (laughs) Now, see, he didn't mean what he said, did he? Absolutely not. He didn't mean what he said. That's the way you find out what we're made out of, right? See, that's what Jesus... Jesus, I'll love you. Lord, I want to walk in this anointing. I'll go to church. Oh, you will? Okay. He says, uh, Saturday morning, I've got a little something for you. I want you to fly down to Houston and pray for a lady that you don't know. And you're going to get back home at 10 o'clock tonight. You're going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and leave. God, Saturday's my only day off. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Okay, you don't have to go. So he don't ever talk to you again. And you wonder what happened. 
He calls you to do something. But it had a demand upon your life. A demand. You've got to get up early. And you're going to go to bed late. I have something for you to do. But God, I haven't got time to do that. I've got to work on my tractor Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Go ahead and work on your tractor. Oh, but Lord, I've got to go to the lake. I've got a new boat. Oh, that's right. I forgot you bought a new boat. Go ahead and go to the lake and enjoy your boat. But don't expect me to ever do anything for you until you change and put me first. If I call you and tell you I want you to go do something, and you had a plan Sunday or Saturday to go out in that new boat, and I call you and tell you I want you to go pray for somebody, you say, Lord... I know you're going to give me time to do that later. I know you're going to give me time to go to the lake later. But you called and you said you want me to go somewhere and do something. Lord, I will go. I'll go anywhere you send me, anytime you send me. I don't run my schedule around me. I run the Lord's schedule around Him. He calls and wants us to go. We go. Anytime. Day or night. Whatever it takes. Even just like tomorrow. I had plans I wanted to do tomorrow. And today Sharon comes to me and says, Thurman, there's a pastor from out west wants to come tomorrow for you to lay hands on him and pray for him. He wants to come at twelve or one. Can you do it? I told her, So you gotta go to do something right quick. I'll pray about it and I'll be back. When I walked back in the door, I said, Call him and tell him. Twelve one, either one. It'll make no difference. I will be available for this pastor. My plans, I'm throwing them out the window. This man of God needs me to pray for him, talk with him. I will make myself available. My plans go out the window when it comes down to God's world. I don't live around my plans. I live around His. Those who do not charge interest on the money they lend. You're supposed to loan money and not charge interest? Well, you don't have to. You can charge interest on the money you lend. But he says, if you want to worship in my sanctuary, and you want to come into my presence on the holy hill, then you've got to let people have money when they need it with no interest. No interest. Isn't that amazing? He's given you and me a choice. We can loan people money. See, I didn't know these things all of my life. I have loaned people money and charged a little interest. I'm going to tell you a story that there was a man that I sold my house to years ago. I didn't know this principle. But years ago, I sold my house to a man, and he paid me a down payment on it, and then he was going to make payments on it. I was going to carry the note. And so for three or four years, he had no problem making the payments. And then, all of a sudden, he got late on the payments. And then he got later on the payments. And then he started missing a month. And then another month. And after he missed it, I called him, talked to him. He said, I'm going to have financial difficulty. So after about ten months of no payments, I went over one Sunday afternoon after church and sat down with him. This has been several years ago. He still owed me about $60,000 on the house. I went over and I told him, I said, Brother... You profess to be a child of God. I said, are you and your wife going to church? He said, well, Thurman, when you ever since you told us about Lakeland Baptist Church, 
we've been going up there as much as we can. We don't go every Sunday, but we do go as often as we can. I said, have you been tithing all that time? Tithing? What does that mean? I said, giving 10% of your income to the Lord. No, he said, I've never done that. I said, that's why you're in the financial problem you're in. You're living under a curse. You are a thief. You have stolen from God. And now he's fed up with it. And that's why your business has failed. He said, Thurman, I don't believe that. I said, tell you what. I believe this book is the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. You owe me about $60,000. If you and your wife will go to church every Sunday, and starting this Sunday, if you'll give God 10% of everything that comes in, and you'll continue to do that for three months, and if you're not making enough money to make the payments on the house in three months, I'll give you the $60,000 in the house. How many of you got that kind of faith in your God? You got that kind of faith in Jesus? I do. Now, I am a man of my word. That man started, and in two months, the payment started coming, and he never missed another one. Never missed another payment. He paid that house off completely. What kind of faith and trust does it take in your God if you, uh, somebody owes you $60,000 and you make them a statement like that? Do you know that means I believe this book? You know that, Rosemary? You know I believe this book, don't you? I believe this book. I believe this book is the Word of God. And I believe if He said it, I believe He's going to hold you and me both accountable for everything He said in this book. Every word. And it don't take a doctor of theology to explain it to you. All you've got to do is read it, and if He said it, He means it. But most people... I had a man come to a heathen school in Justin here a while back, 75 years old. He sat there and listened to me teach the Word of God all day. After the, he came up afterwards and he said, I have a statement to make to you. I said, yes, sir. He said, I graduated from the seminary. I got a good education. He said, a lot of questions I ask, and nobody ever answered them. You answered them today. And he said, the way you answered them was, if God said it, he meant exactly what he said, and I don't take, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to interpret it. If God said, be holy for I am holy, that's what he said. He said, if I'm the one that created evil, he meant it. If I'm the one that created all things, and the devil was one of all things, visible and visible, then where did the devil come from? God made him. He said, you know, now it all makes sense. He said, all those years, I taught the Word best I could, graduating seminary and everything else. But he said, it never made sense what's going on. But he said, just after one four-hour session with you, I now know enough about this Word. I know it means what it says, and I can believe what it says from this day forward. So it's going to change my life forever. A 75-year-old man. What a shame. You know, we ought to be raised up believing from day one. If Jesus said it, it's the gospel. Is that right, Keith? Don't sin because it'll bring forth death. And that ought to just cringe us and ring in us. Lord, don't let me sin. Because it might be the one that kills me. Let me walk holy. No sin. Because you said sin brings forth death. And Lord, I don't want to die young. I want to live to be an old, healthy man. You said walk in faith, walk in love. 
And if I can walk in faith and walk in love, Jesus said, if I have faith, if you have faith, if you have faith, Matthew 17, if you have faith and doubt not, nothing shall be impossible with you. So as a project manager, buildings, buildings, what's impossible with you in the building industry, Keith? Nothing. You have the mind of Christ. All you've got to do, God's in you right there. And all the secrets and the wisdom of the universe is right there. All you've got to do is ask Him in faith and He'll reveal it to you by His Spirit. And nothing shall be impossible with you. You can ask Him for things that nobody has the answer for and He'll reveal it to you when you learn to hear His voice. The thoughts will just come to you after you ask. He wants to tell you how things work. I learned that principle years ago. That's how I was able to do all the things I've done in the business world. I asked the king. I never run into anything that I couldn't master. Never. I don't care what it was. I could do it. It wasn't me. It was him. But when I asked him, he revealed it to me. I can do all things for Christ. But he said that to all of us, didn't he, Deborah? Didn't he, Todd? So we can do all things, right? Sure we can. He said, we can lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. I believe that, don't you, sister? Whoa, I believe it. <laughs> do you believe Jesus can heal dyslexia? You know He can. Somebody said, but I don't believe He can. You said, well, I guarantee I've seen Him do it. Because He did it for me. Isn't that amazing? After you've seen God do a few things, there ain't nothing hard. I mean, you lay there in bed for ten years and somebody prayed a prayer of faith to you and today you're out and you're here. Amen! Isn't Jesus wonderful? Ten years. And Jesus comes to set the captive free. He says, you free, didn't he, young lady? Are you praising Him? Are you thanking Him? Yes, Lord, we praise You. We thank You. We worship You because You're the King of kings. Now then, are we willing to pay this price? Do you want to dwell in that holy place? Do you? Yes, I do. Don't you? Okay, let's flip over to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Talk a little bit about these Proverbs. Verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2. The purpose of the Proverbs. Oh, there's a reason he put these things in here. And he told it to us in the second line. The purpose of the Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Wisdom and discipline. The purpose of the Proverbs. They're not just something holding the Bible together. They're in there for a reason. And he didn't wait till he got way in there to tell you. He told you in the second line. This is the purpose of the Proverbs. It's to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise things. This is the reason for these things. Boy, has he got a lot of things to say in the book of Proverbs. Wow, does he have some things to say. He'll tell you... There, everything you need to know to live a good, holy, clean life is in the next 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. 
if there's anything we should do, I mean, I can't think, I don't even know how many times for years I read one chapter of the book of Proverbs every month. Every month. I'd read a chapter, you know. I mean, every day. Not every every day. I'd read one chapter every day. I'd sit down and read chapter one. Tomorrow night I'd read chapter two. The next night I'd read chapter three. I read those with my children I don't know how many times. I remember hearing a woman on television one day. Her daughter's now on television. And she said, I had the meanest mother in the world. My mother was a dedicated Christian woman, and she told me that me and my brother was going to have to memorize all 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And I thought my mother was the meanest and said, my brother and I came against her. Mother! Nobody could expect her children to memorize 31 books of the Bible. 31 chapters. Finally, mother relented and said, okay, since seven is a perfect number, if you'll just memorize the first seven chapters, then I'll be okay. So she said, my brother and I still thought mama was terribly mean. But we began to memorize the first seven chapters. She said, we learned them. Now, only thing I have to say as an adult woman, my mother should have stood her ground for all 31. Because she said the first seven changed mine and my brother's life forever. Isn't that amazing? See? The first seven chapters has enough power in it to change anybody's life forever. He's telling us the purpose of these things. He said, through these Proverbs, people will receive instruction and discipline, good context, conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. Through the Proverbs, you learn these things. So he's laying it out right at the very beginning, the purpose and what we're going to learn. These Proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. Ooh, I like that. I don't have to be simple-minded all of my life. I can be clever only if I study and believe the Proverbs. We don't want to be simple-minded, do we? Absolutely not. We want to be clever. It teaches us what to do and teaches how to be uh, in good conduct and what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Knowledge and purpose to young people. So many people today that are young have no idea and no knowledge of the Word of God. But I'm going to tell you, there's adults out there. I walked into a business the other day, and when I walked in, the woman that was there, that was the wife of the husband that owned the business, she walked up to me and said, I want you to pray for me before you leave. I said, okay. I went back talked to her husband a little while, and I came out and I said, okay, I'm through with him. What do you want me to pray for? She said, just pray for me. I said, what for, woman? She said, do I have to tell you? I said, of course. I can't pray for you without knowing what I'm praying for. I said, God don't honor shotgun blast. He honors a straight bullet. She said, well, I'm living in depression. I said, I thought you told me you were a Christian. Well, she said, I am a Christian. I said, I thought you was a daughter of the king. Well, she said, I am. I said, then get over it. What do you mean? I said, daughters of the king. I said, throw your hands up and begin to worship and praise God. 
What are you talking about? I said, I thought you was living under depression. You just told me you're depressed. I said, the Word of God has your answer. It says, worship and praise the King. And so, in the, uh, Isaiah 61, 3, it says, worship and praise God. And it drives away the Spirit of heaven. I said, woman, throw your hands up again to worship and praise the King. So I reached over and got her hands. I said, raise them up right now. That's me and you worship and praise God. And we began to do that. And I went wild in that place. And there's a little 21 or 22-year-old girl that just hired something where she's drawing back under her desk. What is this guy going to do next? But see, what happens when you know the Word? You don't never get in depression. I mean, you don't never get depressed when you know who Jesus is and you know who you are. Give me a break. You know, I'm going to be just like that guy that taught me to fly. He said, you be in control of that airplane. He said, you don't never turn loose of that thing. He said, if you're doing just like we used to be doing, he said, there was some pilots that could coming back to England, flying into the, the cliffs, and he said, they'd be shot up, sewing engines out, and they couldn't get enough altitude to get over. And he said, some of those guys were in total control, and some of those guys flew those airplanes right into those mountains trying to get over. But he said every once in a while, one of them would get a lift of thermal and it would just bring them right over the top. So he said, you don't never turn loose until you've hit the ground and you're dead. You have to remember that. I don't care what the circumstances are. You don't never panic when you're flying as a Christian. And you're flying your life every day. When the devil comes at you, or whenever uh, somebody cuts you off, whenever you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, I've seen people turn loose the steering wheel and scream and close their eyes. Don't give me a break. You know, be in control. Keep your eyes wide open praying. Lord, thank you. I know you're going to get me out of this in the name of Jesus. Be in total control. I don't care if somebody hits you in the tail and you're spinning like this. Don't put your hands over your eyes and say, Oh God, please, where are you? Keep your eyes open with your feet on everything, with your steering wheel in your hand, being in control. Don't ever panic. Never panic and never let fear come into your heart. Never. Remember what happened to Peter when the fear started coming into him? He was walking on the water. I don't know any of you, and I certainly haven't yet walked on water. But I don't, I'm not going to put that to the point where I'm not going to say that today's not going to come when I am going to walk on water. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I can do all the, I can do everything He does, including greater things. If Jesus walks on water, that means it's available for you and me. If we can get to that faith level, we can do it, can't we? Can Jesus lie to us? No. no, He cannot. You know why most of us can't walk on water? Because we don't believe we can walk on water. You know, I mean, we have so... It's been so ingrained in the mind and your head, brother, by the world. You know, you fool, you know it's impossible you didn't think that you can walk on water. You know you couldn't heal the sick. I don't... Jesus said we can. Now, who are we going to believe? We're going to be a fool for Jesus, aren't we, brother? That's what I'm going to be. I believe Jesus, don't you? I mean, if Jesus said it... Now we know why not many people walk there. Because I know very few people that walk in those in Psalm 15. Do you? 
Do you know very many people that walk there? You know why we don't dwell on that sanctuary? We don't dwell on that holy mountain? Because we don't dwell there. We don't know who we are. When we get to where we can dwell there and walk there, and walk in total faith, the King says nothing shall be impossible with you. Nothing. I love to see Him do the miracles and healings He does. I love it. The Proverbs will teach us. The the Proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Let those who are wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. You want to become wiser? I do. We're going to have to listen to the Proverbs. And let those who understand receive guidance. You know, some people don't want guidance. You can sit down with some people and tell them what it takes. Especially some young boys, especially when they're 15. You know, daddy starts to sit down and talk to them about stuff. They ain't going to listen to daddy. I mean, you're an old fogey. Give me a break, daddy. I know everything. You don't know nothing. You've got to get them teachable first. When they get to where they'll listen, listen to what this is telling you. When they get to where they will listen, they will become wiser. If we could just get past that hurdle. By exploring the depth of meaning of these proverbs, these parables, these wise things, and these riddles. By exploring the depth You know, that's something, that is one of the greatest revelations. He talks more about that in chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs. But when I learn to study in depth with the Holy Spirit in the Word, when I begin to pray, I say, Lord, I don't want to read this at face value. I want you to explain to me in depth what you really mean here. I want to know. You said no scriptures of private interpretation. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what you're trying to tell us. He says clearly in Proverbs chapter 2 to those that will diligently dig in this Word like you're mining for silver and gold. Any of y'all ever went out and tried to mine for silver and gold? I've seen people that go up the mountains of Colorado take a little gold dish, you know, and they will kind of tan for a little, but that ain't mining for silver and gold. Mining is getting you a pick, starting on the side of a mountain and digging in that beast and moving tons of dirt. And out of the tons of dirt, all of a sudden you're digging and you may have been digging for weeks or months and you've got a hole big enough to stand in this wide and you ain't hit nothing but dirt and rock. And then all of a sudden, after weeks, you're tired and you're wore out. And you hit that pick, bam! And you see something looks like gold. And all of a sudden you begin to uncover that, and there is a load that's three inches thick that goes through right there, and there is tens of thousands of dollars in that little thing you just hit. A lot of men in the mountains of Colorado done that. But you know, they didn't, some of those men, did you know I went up there? Let me ask this question. 
How many of you have ever been up in the mountains of Colorado in the gold mines and actually went back in those mines? Or they're just little bitty short tunnels, aren't they? 20 or 30 feet deep? Them suckers, some of them things are miles long, right? That whole... I mean, we went... I mean, I, that first time we went down, we went down and I think we went down a thousand foot. I, I think, isn't that... Isn't that how much? Seven hundred and fifty and then they go out every direction, don't they? Those people have mined in that and dug in that. I mean, that is diligently seeking the gold that's in those mountains. And they get about today, I forget what they said. How many what how much ounce per ton of dirt do they get? You remember? It's only like a few ounces. An ounce or two or three of gold per ton of dirt that they maybe an ounce of gold per ton of dirt that they take out of that mountain. But let me that's exactly the way the word of God is. When you get in it and diligently study it, all of a sudden he will give you a golden nugget somewhere. I mean, I don't know how many times I read and studied and all of a sudden one day Matthew eighteen nineteen for the first time became a revelation to me that it really meant what it said. If two of us on earth agree about anything we ask Him for, it shall be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. That's when Cheryl called me back the second time today, 20 minutes after I prayed once for her. I said, honey, you got to pray. I said, no, woman, it's done. I prayed. And it was done. What kind of bold faith is that? No, my woman, I have prayed. If I prayed, God heard it, and it's done. Now stand on the Word. Now she's got a decision to make. He don't love me. He won't even pray for me again. Or to agree with me. It's done. And that's what she did. She was in agreement. She said, okay, honey, if you say it's done, God said it's done, it's done. And in five minutes it was done. Thank you, Jesus, for the promises, right? But see, most people are not willing to fight the fight. I mean, just like your healing. It didn't happen instantly, did it? Now, here's the way we like for it to happen. Oh, like your sweet wife here. She got hers instantly. I know God loves her more than He does you. I know. <laughs> We don't understand why He does it like He does, do we? But He knows He loves us all the same. And when we pray, He said, just make sure every sin's repent and stand on my word and I'll do it for you. Wow. And after 77 years of not having it and then having it, it's great, isn't it? Awesome. Why don't everybody love Jesus and serve Him? They don't have a clue, do they? They don't have a clue. Why is it we don't believe this Word? Reckon we have it in mind? Reckon we just kind of read over the Word? Reckon we didn't diligently get in there and pick night after night? You come in and you get your mining clothes on. You go in and sit down with the Word and you start hacking at the Word with your pick. Lord, I've got to have revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Show me where to go tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. 
Reveal to me what you're trying to tell me here. I want to know. I want you to talk to me tonight out of your Word. I want to hear from you in the Word. I don't want to read tonight for three hours and get up and not believe I've received nothing. I want to get something from you tonight, Lord. And Lord, I ain't going home. Be like A.A. Allen when he got in that closet and said, God, I'm coming in here and I'm locking myself in here and I'm going to stay in here and I'm going to fast and pray until you talk to me. Well, he didn't make it. He in and out of that prayer closet over and over and over and over. And finally, one time he told his wife, he said, Honey, I don't know what it is. I don't know why we don't walk in miracles, but the Word of God says we're supposed to. I'm going in that prayer closet, and this time you lock the door and don't you open it until I tell you. And I ain't going to come out until God speaks to me. He said he was in there for days. He don't know how long. And then his wife cooked something, some soup or stew or whatever it was. He said, When that smell coming out of that door, I couldn't stand it no longer. Couldn't stand it. So knocked on the door and said, open the door. So she opened the door. heard from God. No, you ain't heard from God. You just let your physical senses overcome you. He said, I got out there and I dipped me out a big bowl of that stew and I put that spoon in it and I took one bite and I put it in my mouth and I heard this voice say, is that food worth more to you than hearing my voice? He said, no, God. So I spit it out. No. He said, back to the prayer call. He said, this time I'm going in there and don't you open that door until I tell you I've heard from God. <laughs> he goes in that closet and he locks that thing up and he's in there and said, Lord, you've got to talk to me. And he said, I don't know how long I was in there. But all of a sudden, I thought my wife opened the door. So the bright light began to come in that closet. Brilliant light. I began to look around and thought, the door it ain't open. It's still closed. And today, hey, son, you want to know why there's no power in your ministry? I come to tell you why there's no power in your ministry. And he gave him 13 things he was doing wrong. Two of them were personal sins that nobody ever knew except him and God. He never told nobody what those two personal sins were. But he said, the list was so long... I thought, God, I can never remember this. He said, I looked down in that bright light and there was a little bitty stubby pencil and I knelt over a box and I said, God, give them to me again. I'll write them down. So he said, I wrote all... I wrote 11. The first two I could remember. They were my personal sins, so I didn't have to write them down. He said, I wrote the other 11 down on that box. Then I, the Lord said, when you master all of those, then my power will flow through you. So he said, I begin to strive. He said, first thing I did, I went to the Word to confirm that what the Word says was what God says, that everything He listed was already in the Bible. Every one of them. Now, how did He miss them? He hadn't spent enough time with God. He would have picked them up if He had diligently got in there and mined that Word. He would have found those things. You know, it's hard to mess up. Be ye holy, for I am holy. But how many people walk there? No, I don't mean God said, be holy for I'm holy, but that's impossible. You know, we can't do that. Can we? Yeah, we can. Obviously, because He told us to, didn't He? But it's not easy, is it, Keith? No, me and you both know that. We know that well. Die to yourself daily. Oh, that's really got to be easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real easy to die to self as long as everything's going beautiful and perfect. Just as soon as something comes up, man, this beast can resurrect this thing right quick, ain't we? Yes, we do. We all do that. 
I mean, it's easy to resurrect the beast. I'm telling you, it's easy. But when he finally got closer and closer to the end of that list, the power in his ministry began to increase. And finally, one day, the devil kept telling him the last two things. said, you're never going to master those two. But he finally did. took him a couple more years. But he finally mastered them all. When he mastered the last one, he heard the Lord whisper in his ear, Behold, I give unto you power. Then he could pray for six people in a row that couldn't hear a thing, and all six of them could instantly hear. He could lay hands on a dozen people that had totally blind eyes, and every one of them's eyes would be back perfect. One right after the other. I mean, that man did some awesome things in the name of Jesus. And the most awesome one is a little four-year-old child. Isn't that awesome? A mother. I had to, and, of course, the man that told this story, I know him personally. He's still alive. He worked for AA at the time. And he's still alive today. Still has his own ministry. I know him. I've met him. I've been to his church. He said, when I was 21 years old, I saw this miracle. He said, I was singing for AA at the time. And he said, a woman came up to me, and we were having two services a day all week long. And he said, this woman came up to me on Saturday, and Saturday morning, he said, well, I guess God's not going to hear my prayer. He said, what do you mean? She said, I've been here every meeting. I brought my four-year-old son, which has 26 incurable diseases. The doctor said he couldn't live a year, but he's four years old. He's still alive, but he has, was born with no eyes, no ears. His tongue is outside of his mouth, can't, won't, will not come back inside. His arms are twisted and locked into his, into his breast. His little legs are twisted and locked into his stomach. And the doctor said me he can never be made normal. He will die any time. She said, I brought my baby to AA to get Jesus to heal him. But obviously God's not going to hear my prayer. said, today is the last day. Tomorrow I have to go back home. I'm from another state and I've spent all of my money and I've got $20 left in my name and my car's out of gas. And so that evening when they have to have the service, A.A. stood up and he said, you know, today before we preach, I want you to take up an offering. I said, I want you to give a sacrifice to God. Don't just give Him something. Give God a sacrifice. He said, when you put money in that bucket, you don't give it to me. You give it to God. This is His ministry. He said, I looked back there and I saw that woman when the buckets were passed. I watched her drop her last $20 bill in that bucket. Now, this is a woman that's from another state in a car that's out of gas, and that's the last dollar she's got, and she's got to get her and that baby and another woman home, and she don't have any money left. Let me tell you, that was faith. That was faith. Deborah, you're a woman. What if you had that little child, and you were from an out-of-state, and you had a car out of gas, and you got to drive all the way across the state to get back home, and you ain't got no money left for food or gas, and that's the last day of the meeting, and that's your last $20. You know where I'm coming from, don't you? Now it's going to take some kind of faith to drop that last $20 bill in that bucket. 
Somebody said, well, he give, she gives that to Alan. No, she gives that to God. And God was watching. A.A. took up the offering. 4,000 people in that auditorium that day. And then he starts preaching. Been preaching about 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, he looks over there and he stops and he says, hey, wait a minute, God's showing me a vision. Now, this preacher that I talked to, he says, this happened regularly in A.A.'s meetings. He said, he sat there and he said, God showed me a vision. He said, there's a white building out there. It's a hospital. He said, it's a maternity ward. He said, there's a third baby's been born in that. He said, there's a, a little boy just been born. And that little boy has 12, 16, 26 incurable diseases. He said, I see that woman taking that boy home. And the doctor just told that woman that boy ain't going to live a year. But said, I see that woman with that baby. And that baby's four years old. And that woman lives in another state. I see that woman and another woman getting in the car. And he's a woman. Woman, you're here in this meeting today. Where are you? How would you like to be in a meeting where God moves like that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I say. Well, he moved tonight. We got to see him. Praise the King. I love to see him move and do wonderful things. God is awesome. He said, woman, bring that baby down here. Back in the congregation of 4,000 people, a woman gets up with a little boy with no ears, no eyes, no nothing, crippled legs and arms, 26 incurable diseases, and brings him down there and hands him up to A.A. Allen. And A.A. Allen takes a little child that looks like a tangled piece of flesh and said, Now, everybody close your eyes. I'm going to pray. This preacher, he said, I'd heard this story. He said, This is one time I'm going to be scriptural. He said, God says, Watch. And pray. He said, I guarantee I ain't closing my eyes. I'm going to see what God's going to do to this baby. He said, Alan's holding this baby up and begins to ask the Father in the name of Jesus to do a miracle on this little child. And he said, the first thing I see is that little guy's tongue sucked back in his mouth, just like a window shade. He said, the next thing I saw was whirlpools pools on his face, his beautiful eyes formed in his, and ears just like a, just grew out just like that. Beautiful ears. And then he said, I saw his little arms crack and pop and come loose and become normal. I saw his little legs come untwisted and jump. And I saw this little boy jump out of A. Allen's arms and hit the platform and run out there and jump into the arms of a woman he ain't never seen and said, Mama, what kind of God do we serve? He's beyond our wildest dreams. Oh, if we could only see him do things like that again. Something moved his hand in faith. And it was that little woman. And she happened to be at an A.A. Allen's meeting. She had everything lined up she needed. She had a man of faith that believed and knew God could do anything. And was walking totally holy in obedience to God's Word. And then she believed God would do that for her baby. And He did. And then, of course, when that little boy jumped out in Mama's arms, if that wasn't enough for 4,000 people to see, that would rock anybody's that rock anything about you just to stand and see that awesome miracle. But he said the miracles didn't stop. He said next thing, there was 13 people over here on this side that were in wheelchairs. He said all 13 of them jumped out of the wheelchair and began to dance like nothing wrong. He said then over here on the other side was 15 stretcher cases, people with cancer, shriveled up, gnarled bodies that were like dead and all 15 of them instantly jumped off those things and began to dance and praise God. He said, then tumors began to fall off of people's bodies. Gorders fell off of their necks. 
Women spit up cancers out of their mouths. For the next hour, the Holy Ghost moved through that place and screams of worship and praise as God moved through the place of congregation of 4,000 people and healed everybody that had anything wrong with them. Within the next hour, every human being in that building had a need. It was met. That pastor, he said a few years later, many, many years later, only about ten years ago, this happened in like 1952 or something like that. He said, I was preaching in that same church in Alabama. And I happened to ask the question, was there anybody, is there anybody here tonight that was here in 1952 when Alan was here, when God healed that magnificent little baby that night? And he said it was about ten people held up their hands that I was here. How would you like to have been in church and see God do something like that? I'm telling you, the reason He don't do those kind of things for us today is because we don't meet the criteria that He's laid out in this book. You know that? A.A. A. Allen paid the price. Well, I think it's time that some of us paid that price. Too. I want to pay that price. Whatever price it is, I want to walk there and I want to believe there. I want everybody... I want to see everybody. Like I said a while ago, after I watched the king heal this precious daughter, take away her pain. She'd been suffering for the last few weeks. When I saw that, I thought, Lord, if I could just get to the place where they could bring me an autistic child in, and I'd do the same thing and see that child instantly healed. Or they'd bring me one in with cerebral palsy that's all crippled and gnarled, and I could cast that demon out and see that child jumping. Lord, that's where we want to be. Whatever i got to do, God, I'm willing to pay the price. I'll do anything, whatever you tell me. He said, well, I'm telling you right here. All you got to do is do what I said in the Word. Isn't that amazing? There's a price to pay, isn't there, Ty? It's in the Word. He don't have to tell you. You don't have to brow down over a box. You don't have to fast and pray for weeks to get Him to tell you. It's already written in the book. All you got to do is read and study the book. He tells you what you need to do if you want to walk in His power. If you want to worship in His sanctuary, you want to be able to approach His holy hill, He tells you exactly what you need to do. And then when you need to read these Proverbs for wisdom and knowledge and understanding, you read these things and whatever He tells you to do, you've got to do it. You can't just read the Bible. You have to study the Bible. And then you've got to do what it says. And when you do what it says, the same King, that walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, that set the captive free. He's alive and well today. And He's doing the same thing today He was 2,000 years ago. The same way He's doing it by faith. When we walk in faith, He does it, doesn't He, Keith? Yes, He does. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm grateful for the Word. I'm grateful for the privilege to have the written Word of the living God so I can know who You are and how You work and what You will do and what You said. And Lord, when, when we do what You say and we pray like You say in faith, we can guarantee You will do what You said You will do every time. Father, thank You for giving us this kind of faith. Thank You for letting us Lord, I praise You and thank You as I think about my honey bunny today and how she hurt herself and how I could pray the prayer of faith for her and how only a few minutes after I prayed, her pain is gone and she's healed. 
Lord, I've worshipped you. But after I prayed for her, and after I told her it was done, just stand on the Word, I literally worshipped and cried and praised and worshipped you, Lord, thanking you that I knew it was done. But Lord, after I didn't hear from her, after three or four more hours, I called her to see how she was doing. But I knew she was going to be great. But I just wanted to call and tell her so she would know I was still caring and loving. Father, thank You for the Word. Thank You for the promises. Lord, continue to reveal these truths to us as we read and study Your Word. That we'll walk in these great and awesome places where You want us to walk, where we can literally see You do the great and awesome things that You do. You said greater things than these that You've done shall we do in Your name. Or we hadn't even come close. We haven't even come close to that promise. But help us, Lord, that we will walk in it. Help us to obey Your Word by Your Spirit. Lord, every time we start to sin or do anything that does not glorify You, may Your Holy Spirit convict us immediately that what we're doing is wrong. And then Lord, help us to listen to the Spirit and obey Him and not go into sin so we can dwell in the holy place of God and we can worship in Your sanctuary because You don't allow anything unclean in Your sanctuary. Help us realize it's by the blood of Jesus and by faith in the blood of Jesus, that we are right. Help us purify ourselves from all evil so we can see you do great things. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day, the magnificence of this day. I thank you for this wonderful season of Thanksgiving that we've just come through. But Lord, every day is a day of Thanksgiving with you. We should thank You and worship You and praise You for everything, every second of every day. And Lord, thank You as we do. We worship You. And then, Lord, You told us if Your words, if Your words remain in us and if we remain in You, we can ask You for anything, Father, in the name of Jesus, and You will do it for us. And we thank You and praise You for those promises, which are always yes and amen every time. We give You praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving for what we saw You do in this place tonight. Lord, I thank You for this precious, beautiful young lady of Yours sitting on my right. If you healed her this vertigo, has been down for ten years. And I praise You and thank You for this beautiful young lady on my left that You healed tonight with the pain in her hand. And for her precious husband right beside her that You healed of a 77-year problem. Lord, You come to set the captive free. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. And may these testimonies from these three people be told to multitudes of people. And may, as they tell people, may it bring glory and honor to Your name. And Lord, when people receive healing, and they tell people, because I don't believe that, say, hey, this not something happened to somebody else. It happened to me. I know it's true. It happened to me. Jesus healed me. Help them to be bold with their testimonies. Never got disheartened, Lord, because the devil will come against them every way in the world. But help them always to be bold with the Word. Always give you the praise and glory for your mighty power and your healing and your compassion and your mercy for us, your children. 
We praise You, Father, and thank You for everything and the privilege that's ours to serve You. Thank You, Father. In Jesus' name.